This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what's the first thing you would do? Get outside more? Check in on that friend you've been meaning to catch up with? Maybe learn how to play an instrument? I know I've thought about what I would do with more time in my day, and many people daydream about what they might do in that scenario. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your actual schedule is to know what's important to you and take whatever reasonable steps you can to make those things more of a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. Therapy is not just for people who've experienced major traumas. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, and it empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a quick questionnaire that will match you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash FilmDaily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we are going to gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor and chief film critic, Chris Evangelista. Hello. Chris, what have you been doing recently? Oh, boy. I just released a new episode of 21st Century Spielberg. Uh, it's the first episode... First. I, I did a bonus episode, but this is the first uh, new episode since last year when I did an episode on on uh, West Side Story. It's it's uh, you know I'm all I'm all caught up now. This, this new episode is all about the Fablemans, which is uh, of course his his latest episode, uh, latest episode, latest movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's great. I, I listened to this, uh, and yeah, as always. Uh, these podcast episodes rule. There's a full article version. If you hate listening to audio, but for some reason you're listening to this uh, and you'd rather yes. read it, you can go to slashfilm.com and read that. Um, but yes, I, I encourage everybody to check it out. There's some great insights about uh, Spielberg's own life in there and uh, and that movie, which is very, very good and such a shame that it, it is not like a bigger deal right now. I feel like this is definitely going to be one of those movies that like Several years from now, people are going to look back and be like, man, we really undervalued that at the time. So seriously. Yeah. So um, and, the, you know, I, I say this all the time, but those uh, those podcasts are a lot of work. So please go listen to it or else it's all for nothing. It takes me it takes me like weeks to put them together because I, I do. Re- it's not just like, you know, uh, like we're doing right now where we're just sort of like off the cuff and, and riffing. It's you know, it, it takes a lot of research and writing. So please. 
Make yes. my make my time valuable, listeners. <laughs> yes, give Chris validation through download numbers, please. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get into what we've been watching recently. Um, we don't really have a ton to talk about today, but uh, Chris, you saw a couple of big um, new releases or upcoming releases. So why don't you tell me about those? Yeah, so I should add, at the time of recording this, these two things are, their reviews are embargoed, but their social reactions are uh, the embargo is up on social reactions. So let's pretend these are social reactions so uh, I don't get in trouble. Um, and the, the reviews will both be up on SlashFilm.com when the embargo is lift for those. But so I saw, last night I saw Cocaine Bear, which is uh, something everyone is, is talking about right now. Um, it feels like one of those movies that's, it's like more meme than movie. And I'm not sure if that's going to translate to box office numbers like i'm not sure if anyone's actually going to go see this or not uh i i thought it was fine um some of the early reactions are like really over the top and everyone's like this is the best movie of the year so far and uh i was sort of just sitting in the theater while everyone around me was laughing with sort of like a uh a blank face where i was just like this is fine mm. i guess you know it's it's not terrible it's it is funny it is entertaining um I think the weak link is Elizabeth Banks. I just, I think Elizabeth Banks is a really uh, enjoyable performer. I don't think she's a good director and her filmmaking here is really lackluster. And like there are shots where characters are supposed to be in the same location and you can tell like these actors were never near each other and it's really obvious. And like, I get it. They, they shot this during the pandemic and not everyone could be available, but there's a way to do that. <laughs> and make it look real. Um, I, I just started listening to the the Ryan Johnson podcast for uh, Glass Onion. He did a podcast uh, that's a commentary, and I only listened to the first like ten minutes. And he was saying, uh, if you saw the movie, there's an opening scene where there's a party, and Yo Yo Ma is at the party, and he revealed that Yo Yo Ma was completely like green screened into that scene, but you can't tell. It looks like he's really at that party. So. Oh, wow. And yeah, and I was like, that like blew my mind a little bit because it's like, wow, I didn't notice that at all. Whereas you can tell like every time in Cocaine Bear when characters are sharing the scene that they're, they were just shot at different times. It's just, mm. So I found, you know, but that's me. Like, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it through a film critic guy. If you're going to see this just to have fun and laugh at a bear doing cocaine, uh, you'll get that. You know, the movie does deliver on what it advertises, which is, you know, a bear on cocaine. So, <laughs> yeah, so th that's that's cocaine bear. So do you think that, like, this is purely, um, uh, like, the comedy is the thing that this lives and dies by? I mean, it, I guess I guess you could apply that sort of mantra to a lot of studio comedies, if not every single one of them. But, um, but like, is there more going on in this story no, than just no. the joke? Okay, all right. There's absolutely nothing. I say in my review that this is barely a movie. It's just basically a series of sight gags strung together by this, this idea. The idea is what if a bear did cocaine? So, mm, okay. And it's very winking in its humor. Like it's constantly like nudging you and be like, ha this is funny. And then like, again, if, if you're into that, there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I wanted, perhaps I was expecting too much from a movie called cocaine. Yeah. Bear. I don't know. Yeah. It definitely sounds like, you know, have a drink with your friends beforehand and maybe get in a big group and, and it'll be, you know, better in 
better than just like sitting silently at the screen stone yes. face the whole time so yeah. um okay all right so that's cocaine bear it comes out i think uh tonight is the are the first yeah uh, most official screenings of it yeah this, um, this weekend all right and then what else have you seen recently i saw creed 3 um i'm so curious what you think about this because we yeah. haven't talked about this before so yeah, this is the third entry in the series. Uh, I loved Creed One. I thought Creed One was great. Actually, it was like a phenomenal movie. I thought Creed Two was okay, and this one is sort of like split in the middle. I like this better than Creed Two. It's nowhere near as good as Creed One, um, but I like that it. While it's still using, it's basically just using the same Rocky formula that all the Rocky movies use. It's also trying to be its own thing here. Like Rocky, like Sylvester Sloan is not in this movie. He didn't have anything to do with this. He's credited as a producer, but I think that's more of like in name only. He didn't Mm -hmm. actually do anything on the movie. He just gets that credit because, you know, he created this, you know, world that the the movie is set in. Um, And, you know, Rocky is only mentioned like once or twice. And this is really just about Adonis Creed coming into his, he's basically, Adonis Creed is basically the Rocky figure in this movie. And the premise is Adonis Creed has has retired at this point. You know, he's he's older now, and he's become like a promoter and a trainer. And uh, this this face from his past shows up. Um, this guy he was friends with when he was a child, and the guy is played by Jonathan Majors. And it's almost becoming like a cliche at this point, but man, is Jonathan Majors goodness and. Uh, Jonathan Majors has really become one of those actors where he's just like, he's great in everything. Like, even if the project isn't amazing, he is always like giving it his all. And he's, he's, he's really damn good here. And uh, him and Michael B. Jordan have have some great, like the way they play off each other is really uh, it's intense. There's, you know, there's this intensity to it. And uh, you know, my, my biggest fault with this is that it's a very predictable movie like you know even if you haven't seen the trailers which kind of give everything away you you know exactly what's going to happen you know that these two guys who are friends are going to end up fighting you know that even though he's retired adonis is going to step back in the ring like you can figure all this out from like the first frame and that's kind of like it's kind of like well i know exactly where this is going and that kind of takes sort of the fun out of it Mm -hmm. But it's it's a it's a solid movie, and Michael B. Jordan makes his directorial debut here, and he does some really cool things with the fight scenes. He did he try he makes them a lot more stylish than what you saw in the Rocky movies. Like he uses uh, slow mo, and there's this one fight where the the audience disappear, like the crowd disappears, and it's just the two fighters in the ring. And you sh- you see like you know the empty stadium, and I was like, oh, that's really neat. You know, that's I haven't really seen that before in one of these movies. So, mm-hmm. so you know, stuff like that really clicked with me. Um, so yeah, this is it's it's good. It's not great. It's better than Creed two. That's how that's how I would sum things up. Okay, well, it sounds like there's still enough there to to maybe like warrant seeing this in in theaters, uh, even if you're only like you know mixed to positive on on this franchise as a whole. So I'm gonna I'm going to continue to try to be excited about this movie because I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, I'm 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 curious. Oh, one I guess I don't want to talk too much about this because I don't want you to get in trouble, Chris. But I feel like yeah. you could have tweeted about this if you wanted to. So let's just sure. count this. Uh, how was Tessa Thompson in it? Because her character Bianca has been, um, you know, an, an interesting part of these the two previous movies. Anyway, she's good. Um, I feel like she has a little bit more to do in this than she did in the second one, but she's still very much 
like a background character. Like really, even Creed feels like a background. Like the, the focus is really heavily, at least for like the first portion of the film is, is really heavily on the Jonathan Majors character, which I have no complaints about because he's, he's so damn good. So, yeah. Okay. Excellent. All right. So before we go any further, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. All right. So I have three things that I want to talk about. Uh, Chris, have you ever seen the 1994 film Only You starring Marissa Tomei and Robert Downey Jr.? Man, I think I watched this on TV like when I was younger, but I have like no... This isn't the one where he's like has ghosts hanging out with him is he or no <laughs> no there there are no ghosts although there a ouija board does play prominently into the opening scene <laughs> no so yeah this is not what i'm thinking of. i'm trying to like oh all right heart and souls is the movie i'm thinking of where robert Downey jr is a businessman recruited by the souls of four deceased people <laughs> For something. Okay. So no, I did not see this. I saw the movie where Robert Downey Jr. hangs out with ghosts. So go I'm, continue. I'm on board for that one. Uh, okay, so Only You is a rom-com from 94, and it was directed by Norman Jewison. And uh, it opens with a, a young Marissa Tomei, I mean, a character who's supposed to be her character. She's it's like right. an 11-year-old actress playing the character that she grows up into. And she uses a Ouija board uh, to try to figure out the name of who her soulmate is going to be. And the Ouija board spells out the name Damon Bradley. So wow. years, you know, very specific Ouija <laughs> board. Yeah. <laughs> Full name. Uh, so years and years go by uh, and she is engaged to this other guy who is not named Damon Bradley. And a few days before her wedding, she learns that her fiance's classmate whose name is Damon Bradley is Ooh. coming. He like calls to RSVP to the wedding or something. And she like a- happens to answer the phone and she freaks out when he says what his name is. And uh, she's trying to find him. And, and, and he says something about, Oh, I'm flying to Venice. So she drops her entire life and flies to Venice because she's convinced that this Ouija board gave her a prophecy basically when she was a kid. And she, uh, she and her best friend, who's played by Bonnie Hunt, um, they go to Venice and and try to find this guy. And they sort of go all over uh, Italy trying to, to track this guy down. So one great thing about this movie is that it feels like a lot of it was shot on location. So it's really gorgeous because the the Italian countryside and there's scenes in Rome and Positano and, and Venice, obviously. Um, and it's just, it looks incredible. Um, it's also weird because... Uh, Marissa Tomei and Robert Downey Jr. both have roles in the the new Spider-Man uh, franchise. Right. And then um, Spider-Man No Way Home, I think that's the one. Uh, the, the second uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man movie is about uh, Spider-Man, like Peter Parker going to Venice. And I was oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, weird. Following in the in the footsteps of his co-stars there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Downey plays uh, a character named Damon Bradley who, who, who shows up and then... Um, you know, thing a, a romance tends to form from there, um, and she's about to get married. So, like, what's going to happen? So, uh, there's some interesting uh, twists and turns along the way. I won't reveal them here, but um, I wanted to, to shout out Billy Zane, who has a very, very, very small role in this movie, but he is at one point delivering like the himbo performance to end all himbo performances. It's it's like absolutely astounding. So uh, just a, a quick shout out to Billy Zane, a guy who I feel like never gets the the credit that he deserves um, and didn't have the career that he deserved. But uh, I mean, you know, Billy Zane's going to be fine, but um, he yeah, should have been he, like he a, was a the next star. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so that's called Only You. That's streaming on Hulu right now if you want to check that out. 
Uh, I also watched a movie called I Confess from 1953. Alfred Hitchcock directed this one. Have you ever seen this? Do you, does this ring any bells? I mean, a lot of those Hitchcock titles sound the same. Um, no, I, this, is, this is a Hitchcock movie I have not seen. Okay, Montgomery Clift stars as a Catholic priest in uh, Quebec City, I guess, is the, the name of the city where this takes place. Um, and Anne Baxter is the, the female lead. And the, the premise of this is really interesting, as uh, Hitchcock is sort of want to do. Um, the movie opens with a murder, and the murderer comes into a church and confesses his crime to this uh, Catholic priest played by Montgomery Clift. But he can't say anything because he is, uh, I guess, bound by, you know, um, priest confessor confidentiality or whatever the the official rule is. Right. So uh, then the, the cops, you know, stumble across the body and uh, it turns out that the guy who committed the murder was dressed like a priest. And there were witnesses that say that they saw a priest leaving the scene of the crime. And, there's a whole sort of subplot with the the priest uh, played by Montgomery Clift and uh, a, a sort of um, rich woman in, in town and their uh, secret love affair and everything. And it turns out that, you know, these characters knew each other in such a way where the priest actually had motive to commit this murder. So he gets arrested and he just cannot say, hey, I didn't do this. Uh, you know, this guy did it because he confessed. He's, he's bound by this um, this this. Uh, vow that he took so it's, it puts him in a really interesting sort of um you know moral conundrum i guess um and and the idea of like somebody being uh, arrested for a crime they didn't commit is is uh, something that appears over and over again in hitchcock's work and this definitely follows in that in that formula but um i'd never seen a movie quite like this with the um you know using the the uh what would you call it? The, the framework of the church and all of that in, in such an interesting way. So, yeah. um, and Ann Baxter is, is really terrific in this. I don't, I don't think I've seen her in anything else, uh, but yeah, I confess. I, I watched that on Turner classic movies. We want to check that out. It's great premise, really cool um, uh, story. And yeah, it's very well done. And then the last thing I wanted to mention is a movie called Phantom Lady from 1944. This is on the Criterion channel right now. And uh, it ha- has another really great premise. So, a guy walks into a bar. He's had, uh, uh, I guess, an estranged. He's, he has an estranged marriage. He's he's had a fight with his wife. He has two tickets to a show, and there's a woman in the bar. He offers her the tickets. He's like, "I don't want to waste these. You know, here you take them." And she says, "No, I don't have anybody to go with. Whatever." And then he says, "How how about you go with me? Like, I really don't want to waste these tickets." And she agrees to go under the condition that they don't give each other any information about the other one at all like the, no names no jobs no nothing right so they go and have a nice time and nothing romantic happens or anything like that uh, he he drops her off at the end of the night at a different bar and uh, they never exchange information they go their separate ways when he goes home his wife has been murdered and wow. so the the cops are like well you obviously did this you're the husband you know this this whole situation you've, you've had a fight with your wife beforehand uh you're clearly the murderer here and he's like no i swear i was with this mystery woman this phantom lady if you will uh <laughs> and uh she, you know she can she can vouch for me i i was out you know i was i spent the whole night with her that i couldn't have possibly done this and so the cops like drag this guy around to the bar and the the uh performance venue and like all these places where like he saw people along the way and interacted with them and he says 
don't you remember me? I was here last night with this woman. And they're like, yeah, I remember you, but there was no woman with you. And, <laughs> and so he's like losing his mind. Like, what is going on? So um, every person along the way is like, yeah, you were here, but there was no woman. So it's it's a really fascinating sort of a mystery story about what happens when this guy basically gets arrested for, again, a crime he didn't commit. And, um, and what happens when his secretary sort of takes up the the mantle of like the detective figure and trying to uh, solve the the mystery of what's going on here. So um, I really, really, really enjoyed this. I, I like this. Uh, this is like one of my favorite movies that I've seen recently from this period. So uh, 1944 film noir called Phantom Lady on the Criterion channel right now, if you want to check that out. Um, Chris, does that sound like something that's uh, up your alley you'd be interested in? Yeah, I think I'm going to watch this now. That sounds, I, I love movies where, it's like you weren't here and everyone's like, no, I was, I love that shit. Or it's yeah. like uh, Jody Foster and flight plan or <laughs> I'm trying to think of other, uh, there was a, there was a Harrison Ford one, right? Where he's like in Europe with his wife. Is it, uh, is it presumed oh, I, innocent or I think it's called um, frantic. I yes. Called. Yes. Frantic. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where somebody just disappears and, and vanishes. Like, and, You're full of shit. He's yeah. like, no, I swear. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, good stuff there. Phantom lady. Um, I, haven't really been doing anything or eating or playing anything unfortunately so i guess that's going to be a relatively shorter episode of the podcast today but um i think that's going to do it for us and then hopefully uh, peter will, will be back tomorrow with a, a more traditional news episode so um yes you can find more about a lot of the stuff that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com we're going to have a bunch of cocaine bear coverage that's either up or going to be up probably very soon by the time you're listening to this. Uh, obviously, next week, we're going to have a ton of Creed 3 stuff up on the site, too. So uh, and and uh, posts dedicated to the entire Rocky franchise. So definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movie TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on SlashFilm.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter, which Chris writes. There's a link to that in the show notes. Send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.